I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. And Merry me. Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. This is our Christmas episode. <laughs> I know, excited. I know, we're feeling festive. We've got the good vibes and we've got, it's not just Laura in the studio. <laughs> we've got Belle too. We've got Belle right next to me, Belle planning Labrador. away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's nice, a nice cosy studio today to do a bit of a Christmas Q&A. I felt like this time can be great. It can mm. also be really fraught. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought you were one of the best people to have this conversation. But before we get into questions, I just want to kind of let you tell everyone a bit about you and kind of your own journey that you've been on so now you specialize in helping people kind of get to that sort of final part of recovery like make that Mm. final push Mm -hmm. in healing their relationship with their body and food and everything um but how did you end up getting into that yeah so long and short of it is I think as many people that get into this work and like obviously yourself Tally when I was a teenager I had an eating disorder the eating disorder that I had was anorexia, but obviously something that I'm really passionate about in my work is the fact that, you know, it can look any way, any shape, any size, any person, any age. But for me, it was anorexia that I suffered with and I was super young, I was like 13, 14. So whilst it feels like a lifetime away or a go, at the same time, like Tally was saying, it's those final stages which often take the longest. Mm. And for me, I had that kind of early intervention support where I had um, that kind of CAMS treatment that people might know about. It's like the under 18 service. You know, I had a dietitian. I had all of that, but it didn't mean that the journey kind of ended there. And I guess in my eating disorder journey, it it got a lot worse before it got better. And anyone that's been through it or is currently going through it, you know how debilitating it is, how all-consuming it is. You know, for me, it really kind of felt like it started like a diet gone wrong or taken too far. But obviously, the more work you do, the more you realize, actually, it was a way to cope with things. It was a way to deal with past traumas. It was a way to kind of mask things like perfectionism and so many other things that I'm learning about myself as an adult. But when I kind of started that treatment, what I found was that yes, I learned how to kind of gain the weight which was necessary in my position to do, to eat more and to manage some of those eating disorder thoughts. But what I didn't really learn was to how to accept my body, Mm. was how to feel free around food, how to kind of integrate back into my life after living for years with this eating disorder that became my identity. So I guess my real passion when I work with predominantly women 
is to help them find full freedom because otherwise we stay in this place of like quasi recovery, which is not really living, it's surviving. Mm. It's like you're getting to that point where it's manageable, but then I always find that it only takes one thing in your life to get difficult or challenging when food in your body becomes the crux again. So finding full freedom is really about getting to a place where food and your body image is no longer the thing that you go to when things feel difficult. It's no longer the thing that you feel back on to control. It's actually something that feels free and loving and respectful. And of course, it's always a constant work in progress, but I genuinely know that you can get to a place where you're free. And I know that because since my recovery, I've been through many difficult stages in my life in the past year, one of the hardest, and at no point have I gone back there. So I want that that message to really be there that it is possible to find full freedom and you don't have to live in a in a half way. That's the really interesting part because I think especially within the fitness as well mm. is you get a lot of people who may have healed from like the kind of textbook eating disorder and but then people end up in fitness spaces and in wellness spaces and then they still get to like kind of keep all the things under control and still mm. kind of do that stuff but it goes a lot less unnoticed because it's so much more normalized like in those spaces um right. and I think you know a lot of people then become like the fit one or like mm -hmm. the healthy one and actually it's like old kind of those thoughts lingering and sticking around and stuff like that definitely and I you know I have a feeling that there's you know several people listening to this podcast who may resonate with that who go like yeah I get it like I've gone through stages and I want to kind of get to a point where I feel even more at ease with these things um because it makes you able to just enjoy life that bit more like you were saying like really have that full experience yeah yes it, like we're not here to survive we are here to thrive and obviously that's not always possible mm. but I do believe it's possible when it comes to food and your body image and mm. I feel like I'm I really want to break down the stigma that it's not because mm. I think that stigma actually keeps people stuck and it gives people this sense of well it's too hard and it's not possible for me because of the world that we live in but it is possible mm. it is possible maybe we can break down some of that today yeah um like I said this is the Christmas episode yeah. so uh we're just here to kind of be your support and mm. your support system going through this time if it is a tough time for you because I think it mm. is a, a really tough especially if people are going on their own journeys with like food and their body mm. and exercise mm -hmm. um and so yeah, like what are your thoughts when you're working with clients and kind of what's the stuff that generally comes up at this time of year for the things that people are struggling with and needing extra support with? I think one of the biggest things is seeing family. Yeah. You know, I always think about my first Christmas in proper recovery. And actually for dinner, it was just me and my mum. And when I look back, like it really helped because I found it too overwhelming to like be with everyone else. And they came over after and that was lovely. But I find that when I'm working with people at this time of the year, it's it's the thought of seeing everyone. It's, are they gonna be commenting on my weight? Are they gonna be commenting on the way that I'm eating? Are they gonna be commenting on, you know, all the things? Are you having children yet? Are you married yet? Like whatever it is, it's that that time mm. of, of pressure. And mm -hmm. when it comes to things like food and your body image, especially if you're in a recovery journey, which may mean that you've changed a lot as a person, you may have changed physically, that can become really daunting when you're sitting around a dinner table. So a lot of the work that I'll go through with people are things like like finding your safe person, finding a safe space. 
actually being okay with taking some time out that day or having almost like safety things that you have to get through that period. But I definitely think it's mainly the pressure of seeing people, the abundance of social activities, the abundance of food, even the abundance of things like obviously spending and showing up and mm. and having to just like be present for all these different things, I think can be really overwhelming when you're on any kind of healing journey. Mm. Oh, definitely. And, you know, in some ways this, you know, as the song goes, like it's the most wonderful time <laughs> of the year, but it also can really not be like for so many reasons like I literally was on Instagram this morning and I saw someone say like how this time can be one of the loneliest times Mm. and I think you know when we're struggling in other areas and especially this Christmas I think we've got this cost of living crisis here in the UK like everyone's feeling the pinch and everyone's feeling that kind of financial pressure as well and you know whether putting the heating on and all that kind of stuff and I think like you said that's often when other stuff around maybe like food and exercise and stuff becomes a bit louder in your head because it's the known coping mechanism and it's the taught coping mechanism by diet culture and we need to have other support in place like you said to help us kind of navigate this time without falling back on those you know um unhelpful behaviors and thoughts so I've got some questions from people. I thought like let's get into it. Let's get into those questions because you know this is about helping people. Uh, This is from Laura and Laura says, how can we help ourselves when our minds are comparing what we eat to what someone else is eating? Even if they haven't commented on our intake, just that internal comparison battle, trying to match calorific intakes. Mm -hmm. What do you think? So first of all, acknowledging the fact that that's a very understandable anxiety to have. And that is one of the hardest things to to manage. That took me a long time to get over. One of the things that really helped and a really quick thing to remember always with this is even if, even if we all ate the same thing, we would all look different anyway. Mm. And whether that person eats differently to you or not, how does that actually and literally impact what you're eating and how you're eating. I think it's very easy to to get into that comparison because we make it mean something about us. If they're eating this, it means this about me. If I'm eating that, it means this about me. But actually, you're on your journey. What they're eating for whatever reason is is about them, right? And it should be irrelevant, right? It should be irrelevant, especially if you're in a recovery journey because like, you're the one that needs to look after you and Mm. your needs Mm. their needs are very different and you have no idea what they're going to eat later on or other points in the day so it's almost like a useless comparison it's like when we compare an instagram because someone put up a smiling photo that doesn't mean that their life's perfect yeah it's kind of like looking between the lines and reading between the lines but also if i was working with a client i was i would also look at you know some techniques around like breath and meditation and like taking yourself away from it and actually like working cognitively with the thoughts in that moment. Mm. So you might need to like take you away from that situation for a minute, like do some journaling, do some writing to like calm down the thoughts that are wiring round because I know they can get really, really loud. Mm. Yeah, and I think especially like Christmas time, like Mm. you're sat around eating so many more kind of family meals, communal meals as different events, you, you know, and I think often it can not only be your internal judgment of it as well there can feel like there's an external judgment there can feel like people arguing like oh you're having seconds are you (laughs) oh like you're gonna have more potatoes and oh it's really hard and sometimes it feels really hard in the moment to even just like have a response to that like it's like oh okay I don't know even I thought sometimes I feel like even I having done 
so much work and feeling like I am able to, you know, give advice to others. I'm like, ah, you know, sometimes in that moment, I'm just kind of like taken aback. Yeah, it's a little bit invasive. Yeah, it, so. and it can really put you on the spot, can't it? Um, So there's obviously that internal dialogue that kind of Laura um, reflected on, but also there's that feeling like other people are mm. judging my play. And I would say that this judgment especially for people in um, larger bodies Mm -hmm. is greater because we all know that the biases so many people have around weight and health are so we you know we're so obsessed with the idea that it's purely down to how much food you eat and there's not any other factor involved and so this time of you know can feel even more heightened how do we deal with that feeling of that external judgment of that um maybe people making comments and stuff like that yeah First of all, when it comes to your family and friends, and I know that this is difficult, but the big B, boundaries, like setting them up in advance. Um, now I understand when it comes to things like bias, that can be more difficult, but especially if it's your family and friends, I used to have conversations where even things like someone saying, are you enjoying that? Would drive me mental when I just wanted to get through the meal, mm-hmm. which felt like a mountain. So I was actually talk to my family members and say like, it really helps me when I'm eating if you just don't comment, you just like carry on what you're doing, enjoy your food. Now it's like, oh, how's yours? Do you wanna try some? Back then that was hell. So if you can enforce boundaries with loved ones and just explain why, that can really help take some of that pressure away. And it means that you're not preempting, oh my God, when is someone gonna say something? Is someone gonna comment? Can I can I reach for that food? Oh my God, what if they, what if they say something? Now, when it comes to the judgment outside of that, It's so difficult because it's so, uh, I feel like disordered eating, eating disorders, like so many things at the moment in our world are still very unrecognized and misunderstood. And I think that's what's really important. And it's like, if you can have those core people in your life that do understand that you're willing to explain it to, to help kind of them see from your point of view, that can be really, really helpful because people's judgments is all coming from their internal world. It's coming from their judgments, which don't really have any backing, which don't have, you know, any any evidence to support it. So if you can find those safe people to help get through, but also if you're okay with actually being able to maybe talk up for yourself or respond with something or even just doing your own research and looking into it so that you feel more grounded in your opinions or you know the evidence that you know about recovery and health every size and all of these things, that's gonna really support that process because you can put less weight on what those people are saying. I think, yeah, I, I often, um like to remind people of that as well like yeah you know you know why you're doing this you've done all the things that everyone told you to do you've tried a million options yeah especially not just people in necessarily recovery but people um from you know an eating disorder but people in recovery from just disordered eating yeah, yeah, and yeah. a dieting level totally and you know you've tried it all you've done it all and it didn't work for you and it got you to this point so clearly it's not the thing to do. And yes. as much as people, and sometimes it's well-meaning, you know, have it these, can be, so, yeah. you know, have these comments or have these worries and yeah, yeah. fears for you. It's, I think if you, like you say, ground yourself in why you're doing this, it can be really empowering and reassuring in the moment when you're feeling maybe yes. a judgment, a criticism to just go like, I know 
I know what I think and mm-hmm. I know I've really thought this through and I've weighed up all the options and I'm making the best decision for me and for my body. Exactly. And that is irrelevant from the other people. You're one step ahead. You're one step ahead. You can ahead. think of it that way as well. Like you you know better. Yeah. And, and some people, they're not there yet. And the hard part is it's like you, especially when you're on this journey, like mm. it's like, you know, the whole thing of once you see the color red, yeah. you know, you learn about the color red, you can't stop seeing it everywhere. And especially with diet culture and the way people talk about food mm-hmm. and bodies. And oh my goodness, those, you know, you know, the whole like, I'm being naughty, I'm being good, mm. you know, oh, I, I shouldn't have any potatoes. Like, I'm, you know, carbs aren't good for you or whatever Auntie Susan's going to say. Like, you, like, it feels like it's everywhere. And especially when you're early in this, like, process, it's very, like angering mm-hmm. and you feel like I need to say I need to speak up I need to tell okay them like they're angry. wrong it, I need to save these people as well mm. and I, th- I I agree I think the anger part is really healthy yeah um and it really propels you into the next kind of phase of the process um but I also like to help take the pressure away from people and just say like everyone comes to this at their own point yes and as much as you want to force it and and get people where you are as quickly as physically possible, um, people do have to go through their own processes. Now, there's two sides to that coin. There's that side. There's the other side of people may say really fat phobic things, really quite offensive things. Mm. Just say things that are like not cool, you know, and make judgments about bodies and everything that are like not cool. And in that case, I think there's a point to maybe have a conversation, have a dialogue, say something. But also sometimes I'm like, take the pressure off yourself and just know yes. that if this, these holidays, maybe Christmas isn't your actual, you know, your um, celebration, but other religious holidays, whatever it is, that you know yourself, like you're, like you said, grounded in yourself and that it's not, you don't have to you don't have to fix it for everyone else. You don't well. have to fight every battle for yes, it. Yes, that's it. And you sometimes don't... that's the most, for me, that is freedom. So I'll often say the real food and body freedom level that I want people to get to is when they can look at diet culture. And eventually it is a bit like water off a duck's back. Not because you don't care, not because you don't want to dismantle the system, but you deciding to not participate mm. or uh, are able to live without it, rise above it, not think about it. That is you dismantling it. Mm. So there's also a part where sometimes that is you taking your power back and Mm. doing it for other people because in that you're not engaging with conversations that are keeping this going and keeping it alive. Yes. And you know, I think that's another thing. If people are making those judgments and comments, like not engaging in the conversation is really powerful powerful. and not engaging in the conversation where maybe they're not, maybe the comments in the the conversation isn't directed at you necessarily but there's just a kind of diet chat in the room mm-hmm. and you not giving power to that or like trying to change the conversation or perhaps Very going powerful. like oh you know oh you know we can talk about more fun things like come on it's christmas you know like <laughs> <laughs> who wants to talk about feeling bad about themselves not me yeah. um you know like let's play a game i don't know like changing <laughs> the subject yeah. can just be a really uh 
like a really fun way. I mean, start preparing those cracker jokes. That's what I think. Like have some funny yeah. cracker jokes. But like, this one's really funny. Wait, hasn't this year been hard enough, you guys? I know. <laughs> like, hasn't this year been hard enough? Like, can't we all just- We survived a pandemic. Yes, like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please, like, let's just have some fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, there's power in that as well. And it doesn't mm. have to be a confrontation, but Mm-mm. it can be a kind of- a steering of the conversation in a different direction. You can step out, you can step away. Yes. You can stand in your truth and the more you do it, the more you will gravitate towards people that are doing that too. And then slowly we're all dismantling it without getting so rattled by all the time. And I like what you said before about having your safe person, Mm -hmm. having your safe space and you know, can you elaborate more on what that could look like for someone? Is it necessarily a person in the same house as you? Is it a friend at the end of the phone? Mm. What is it? So this is obviously so individual and I want to obviously really bear in mind people's different situations in terms of their closeness with their family. You know, I was lucky that I had that relationship with my mum. I know not everyone has that. Maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's an auntie, maybe it's a cousin, maybe it's a pet. Yeah. Like, Bear was literally asleep on the floor next to me. God, if she had been around, I'd have been recovered a lot quicker. But, you know, any of those people, like anyone that it can be, whether it is a friend on the end of the phone, if not, utilizing services. So actually since moving to Brighton, I've done a lot of research and Brighton in particular, shout out to my hometown, (laughs) has amazing mental health services. Like they have like hubs and it's tiny there. They have so many little hubs around the place that are open like all over the holidays, 24 seven helplines, like even those, those people are there for a reason. You, You literally don't need to go through those times alone if it does get really hard. Like please, please utilize them. Like Mm. look in your local area, whether it's eating disorder support, mental health support, just someone on the end of the phone. If you genuinely don't have someone like that in your life, they are also there. But obviously someone that is physically there will be a lot a lot easier for you and a lot more comforting on the day. So I'd really encourage you to think about who that person could, could be for you whilst you may be finding it hard to be that for yourself. And in terms of having that perhaps a space and a few kind of practices to and tools mm. in your day to have you, you mentioned journaling. I'm in my mind, I'm envisioning someone going like, okay, well, my bedroom where I'm staying here is kind of my safe sanctuary space because yes. it's my space. And, you know, if I do need to take, you know, half an hour to go yeah. and journal and just, yeah, that's what I'm envisioning. What could that process look like for someone? Yeah, so you might want to have like specific prompts, for example. So I like long and short kind of thing that I would work with clients on is something called a thought record sheet. So this is really good for those kind of mind worms that we get, those thoughts, those intrusive thoughts. Oh my God, they come out of my weight. Oh my God, oh my God, I can't come down. So you might ask yourself questions like, okay, like what am I feeling right now from like zero to 10? Like how's my anxiety? How grounded am I feeling? Okay, if I'm feeling like super anxious and super panicky, can I just do some simple box breathing? So literally like in for four, hold for four and out for four, like something that's actually gonna calm down your breath. So then you might wanna journal around, okay, what is the thought that I'm having? Thought could be, um, everyone's looking at what I'm eating, okay? Uh, What's the evidence for this? Uh, One person looked. Okay, what's the evidence against this? No one else has commented. And you start to kind of work through these questions in a way that it's like, okay, well, if that's not the the real thing that's happening, what's going on for me here? 
oh, my, that voice is becoming really loud. I'm noticing that I'm feeling impacted by my eating disorder or diet culture or, or a worry that I have. And then by the kind of end of that journaling exercise, you wanna be asking yourself, okay, now how do I feel? What could be a more helpful thought to believe? What would really ground me right now? Mm. What's something I can do for the next half an hour? Can I let someone know that I'm struggling? Can I get outside for some fresh air? Can I pet the dog? Can I call the helpline if it's super, super bad? Can I just stay up here for another hour? Like in my duvet if I need to, having a tea. Just giving yourself that space. Like I am so not here for like putting on a brave face. Like I feel like we just can't bypass what we're feeling. So just allowing yourself that time to just like nurture what you're feeling, allow it to come, have a cry, release the cortisol, let the tears out and then come back in. But just like giving yourself that little sanctuary and maybe you need to set that up for yourself. You know, even things like... um people can have like safe objects that could be like, I don't know, like a crystal or like a rock or like something soft, like sounds really like- Like um, cozy clothes or something. Yeah, just sounds they basic, in. but sensory stuff if you're feeling anxious and you're feeling really up in your head is really, really useful. Um, hot water bottles, like all of these kinds of things can be really, really grounding for you in those moments. I'd also recommend a dog if you have one nearby. <laughs> dogs are amazing aren't they in that sense yeah. they are they are like if there's one true um panacea for things it's just stroking a dog yeah. honestly get your dog like, out yeah get, <laughs> get your dog out hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mum's the Word is a brand new parenting podcast hosted by me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles, and all the other problems that come with parenting, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Join me each week on my journey through motherhood as we celebrate the amazing highs as well as the lows. As it's my first time, we'll have celebrities, experts, and hopefully you guys too who will help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Find us wherever you got this podcast. This person asks, like, it's anonymous. Yeah. Um, I'm stopping at my sister's house in Wandsworth over the Christmas period, and it's going to be my first Christmas away from home after sadly losing my dad in May suddenly. Although I won't be able to help what foods are cooked, I'm really going to miss exercising. Can you recommend any kind of classes in London which are fun and enjoyable? Um, now I feel like there's two parts to this question, and. I'm really intrigued by this person. I, this is all the information we have, so let's go with this. My first thing is to say like, oh my goodness, I'm extremely sorry for the loss of your parent and your dad in particular. Oh my goodness, it's this is a really hard time for people who 
don't have a family member that should be there, whether that's a parent, a sibling, a, a grandparent, a cousin, you know, an auntie and uncle. And I I just want to really hold that sort of compassion for you. And just to say, like, I hope you can take the pressure off yourself going into this, even this whole month of what Christmas needs to be, what it needs to look like. Like if it's, if it's shit, it's shit. Like that's okay. Cause this is going to be the first one, you know, without him. And that's always the hardest one, you know? Um, so I just, I just want to hold that. And just for anyone who may have lost someone like you know, there's no pressure on you to even do Christmas this year if you don't want to do it. Like, if you want to opt out, or whatever the holiday is, like, if you want to opt out of it, like, you do you. You do what feels right for you and your family. And then the second question, and I, I'm interested just because the it was like I won't be able to help what foods are cooked, but I'm gonna miss exercising, and it makes me think that perhaps you've been leaning on food and exercise as a way to cope with this grief and (laughs) look I get it I did the exact same I get it um I also want to help release the pressure to have to control those things over that festive period um because there's a lot of you know we're so out of our usual routine and especially when you're not in your hometown and you're with um you're visiting your sisters it feels hard because then you're out of control of all the stuff and that's like can be hard to deal with when you're you know you've kind of got your systems and your routines so what are your thoughts on this Laura you know I think it's understandable given the the context and the circumstances and everything like what's your thoughts about yeah exercising over Christmas yeah I want to like obviously second everything Tally said there and you know I wonder if this person that wrote in, perhaps there might not even be a consciousness around the fact that the exercises may be partly to do with helping manage those feelings of grief. And I really am compassionate for that. If that's if that's mm. what you're experiencing, maybe you're unaware of that. And it's not to say that things like exercise can't help relieve yeah, stress they can help. and things. They can, yeah. But obviously it's also about it's about that management of am I using this to escape? Am I using this to numb? Am I using this to suppress, right? So I feel like if, I I would love to say to you, forget about it, relax, don't engage in any exercise over Christmas if you can. And yeah, like I would love to give you that advice. If that doesn't feel manageable for you though, which I know is where a lot of my clients are at, if I said that to them, they'll be like, well, that's not really that helpful, Laura, because I still feel like I want to do it or I need to do it how can you engage in something in a more loving and fun way? So if you're going to go to an exercise class, can you go to an exercise class that maybe is going to be more supportive for your mental health? Maybe Mm -hmm. that's a yoga class. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. Pilates. Maybe that is spinning or weights or whatever you want, but maybe actually looking into, I know something that Tally would probably say with this is like looking into the instructors that they are, looking into like the ethos of, of the gym that you're going to, because you also, you don't want to be going at such a tender time for you anyway, you don't need to go into spaces where someone's gonna make you feel bad about your body Mm. or how much you're eating Mm. or what your like reps are on the bike or whatever. You know, 
if I go to a class like that now, I'm really good at letting things slide over my head. And if someone comes over to me and they're like, get down, do a burpee, I'm like, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I know if you don't have that confidence, it can be really, really difficult. So I would say try and engage in something fun. Maybe go to a dance class. Like seen on screen is one that we all love. It's yeah, they, we always shout, on, shout out oh, about them. If you want to feel yeah. good and move your body, go to seen on screen. Um, there's a spin. You do, you're not doing the spins after over Christmas, no, are you? No, I'm not teaching at the moment. Yeah. But, but you know some really good ones. Yeah, Ashley at Boom Cycle. Yeah. I'm sure she's doing classes at, at various few studios. Not necessarily yeah. Wandsworth area, but if you're able to come into Central, I think. Yeah, it's not too far. I think that's really nice. And I know that she's got a really diet culture free zone, yeah. really feel good. Um, and you know what I love about her classes? And I feel like if you, other instructors, I'm sure, do this with other different types of movement, they usually really allow space to feel those feelings. Yes. And I think, like you said, you know, movement can be an incredible tool to help us feel and process our emotions. Yes. When done with the right intention. Yeah. And you know, this is what I'm working on all the time with people because it's not that exercise isn't an amazing tool in our self-care toolkit, but you know when it feels like the only tool that's when it becomes tricky and that's when it can feel feels a bit more um compulsive rather than something we can engage in in our own definitely way you know in our our, on our own kind of pace and so it is great to sometimes be in a class like a spin class for example often the lights are off yeah someone's put on an emotional song and you can just have a good cry yeah i think we both probably cried in a spin class definitely i think i've cried in tallies yeah, probably. And also, I've like, shed tears in my own class when I've been teaching. Things like winter walks, like getting out, mm. like Jesus Christ, I hate the cold. Everyone knows that. <laughs> but like wrap up really warm, get out on a winter walk. Um, can it be? It can be really gentle. Can things. be so gentle. And I yeah. would say go sea swimming if you need, live near the ocean, but also don't need to get hypothermia. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, Wandsworth and Clapham, they all they have lo- loads of great places. Big Battersea parts. have a beautiful um, Pilates studio called Pie Pilates. Yes. They're really beautiful um, studio if you want to go. It's so much more about like the way that your muscles work and your mindset and they're really gorgeous there. So, you know, if you're going to do it, please engage gently, tenderly with yourself, make it fun Mm. um, and try and take the pressure off. Yeah, take the pressure off. And like I said, just big hug to you, big hug to your family. This is such a tough time. Mm. Um, And I hope that, yeah, that kind of helps relieve the pressure yeah. of that one thing. Yeah. Um, I've got another question. Now this one is from Anonymous. Um, but they say, I'm recovering from an eating disorder and I get really confused with how much physical activity to do, especially over the holidays because my family are super active. They're running and hiking on Christmas day. And I feel like there's so much increased emphasis now on exercise in society for longevity, like we should be doing weights and, cardio etc etc um so I kind of question how much time off I can have and why I don't need to be doing it every day um and Christmas is you know particularly challenging because my family are doing more as well so it seems like it's really hard Mm. for this person how would you recommend navigating this time I feel like I'm abnormal I'm abnormal Mm. for not exercising and earning food Now, that's a hard situation and, you know, I don't like to make sweeping judgments about situations, but I don't know if, you know, the environment with which everyone's engaging with exercise there, for example, maybe of a really healthy attitude, I don't know. Um, It could be a, you know, a fun 
active family, it could feel like a lot of pressure to counteract what feels like um, a difficult time with food and you have to kind of balance it all out, et cetera, et cetera. And I think if that's the vibe, then especially with you in recovery from your um, eating disorder, like it's really important, like we said earlier, that A, you set boundaries and B, you put yourself first in the situation and make sure that you're doing what's best for you and that other, you know, you're able to put those boundaries in place that, you know, if people are going off and doing stuff, you don't have to engage in it if you don't want to do it. And, you know, how do we have those conversations? How do we, you know, what can people say? Maybe it's a text, maybe it's a phone call, maybe an email, I don't know. How do we broach those conversations with our family? Yeah, I know. I guess I'd be asking, like, are your family aware of how it makes you feel? Are your family aware of the impact? An example I always really like to use here when it comes to kind of mental health related or, or our mindset around things is like if you had a broken leg or a sprained ankle, your family hopefully would not be forcing you to do a yes. hike. So I always go in with the, well, if you wouldn't expect someone to do it from that angle, why are we expecting people to just get up and carry on and like normal, so quote unquote, if something's impacting their mental health for other reasons? So can you engage in a conversation in that way? You know, can you explain to them that whilst it's part of like your traditions or whatever, for you in your particular point in your journey, it's quite detrimental and it's quite difficult. You know, can they support that? Can they perhaps, can there be someone that can maybe do something else with you? Can maybe they change that up a little bit? You know, and I, it's difficult when we don't know your relationship with with your family members I know that it's not always easy to just have these conversations but again maybe it's that safe space maybe it's that safe person that you can start with here to actually have this conversation because I often think that people aren't mind readers and this can be really really difficult when we're in a recovery journey but sometimes we have to be willing to educate and to explain and to really say to people hey I'd really like to share my truth with you I'd really like to share my experience or what this actually feels like for me and as long as they're willing to listen I think they're going to understand a lot more from where you're coming from but if they don't understand then it is more likely sadly that they are just going to expect you to get on with it quote unquote because it's not something that's visible the way that we feel so we have to communicate it um so if you can do that I think that that could make a really big difference and I think once you have the conversations once all of these kind of boundary conversations it's so much easier once you've had it once once you've got someone that's you know on your team that understands that wants to support you I promise you it becomes so much easier it can be really awkward and difficult at first but it's so worth it to like relieve the pressure and all the anxiety that you get for having to essentially do things that are really bad for your mental health at the end of the yeah. day. I imagine having that one person in your family is like having that advocate, having yeah. that that person who perhaps you only have the strength to have the conversation with one person, but then yeah. they can have they can have the conversation with yes. other people on your behalf. Exactly. So they be your point person. Um and you know, I think there's so much I think the hardest part about having those conversations with family is yes, they do not necessarily understand mental health and there's so much stigma around it. But I think with the stigma comes so much shame of like, you know, as and in it the individual, like there's so much shame and holding of like, I'm really struggling with this thing and you know, I feel like you don't there's like people don't understand right. or appreciate. And I think there's a lot of shame, especially like you said you know, at the beginning, we have this look of what especially eating disorders are. And we really think they're very, very thin, white, 
woman, young woman kind of look. Yet this can look so different on everyone. And like you say, comes in all shapes and sizes, genders. Yeah, in so many different ways as well. Mm. And it like presents differently you, for everyone. And right, and because the wider society has this very narrow view of what these things are, if you don't necessarily look like the part, it can feel hard for people to have to be like oh yeah I was concerned about you because you might not look like you know the the visual that I'm picturing and that can feel hard for people to understand and you know it's it's really it's shit I think for people who feel like they're having to constantly fight against these stereotypes to be seen heard and and given the support they need by mental health services but also by family and friends and I think if you're able to have that conversation with one person like you said where you just say like look this is what I'm kind of going through this is where I've been and you don't have to go super super in depth with it you can give the headlines I used to give people a book you can also oh, really? just feel like that. Yeah, send them a podcast. Send them this podcast. Yeah, honestly, if you find it too difficult, that can mm. be really, really useful. And just say like, hey, like I really resonate with what this person's yeah. written or it really shapes my view or my story. Um, like, could you spend some time reading or listening to this? It might help you understand what I'm going through. I also wonder if it's easier to write like a letter. Yes. And just have something pre-prepared. So you might not have to physically say anything, but you yeah. can kind of just say like, I'm sending you this or sending it by text or, you know, sending you that. And then perhaps we can have a conversation about this afterwards, but I don't know if I can physically say what, Definitely. everything. And just kind of explain. And like I said, um, you know, send them episodes of podcasts that maybe it's this one maybe it's others where you're going like um I'm really resonating with this maybe it's an Instagram post you've seen you know something like that where it feels maybe more of a gentle way to help people understand rather than you feeling like you have to give all the explanations and all the information um but I hope that by sharing with friends and family that like you say there's there's a person there who wants to support you and advocate for you um yeah if not we're advocating for you we are <laughs> we are is there any uh last few tips we can give to people at this time just to help them kind of feel relaxed and you know to cope and and deal with this like I say what can be what can be a tough time I think one of the things you said at the beginning and that I really think is important this time of year is that you don't like it it, it gets to be what you need it to be yeah. This time of year gets to be what you need it to be, right? You, you know, whatever, however you need to get through it. If you just need to survive it and get through it, that's fine. If you feel like it's actually super stressful and you don't have the energy for everything, that's fine. If you feel like it's a time where you need to be really quiet and, you know, introverted and spend some time with you, that's fine. If you want to make loads of plans with people and fill up your diary, that's okay too. Try and find what feels the best for you and your mental health and your well-being for you right now. Like, don't allow, if possible, Christmas to be like the undoing of you and your healing journey and your recovery journey or your journey away from diet culture or to more positive body image. Like it doesn't need to become that. And I think that, you know, 
me and our mutual bestie Abby always talk about this, how like holiday seasons can feel like this, this real big pressure and this momentous time. But actually like, again, like you get to take your power back. You get to make it a time that feels good for you and supportive for you. And I honestly feel like those were some of the key things that helped me manage in those early days of my recovery is just to make it something that actually felt supportive for me rather than something that I was having to like grit my teeth through. Um, You don't want to get into January feeling like you've got to recover from Christmas. You want Christmas to be supportive of you and where you're at and just trying to give yourself the the kind of self-love and compassion that I know that you're giving everyone else because we always do it more for others. Allow that to be all you need to give like for Christmas this year is like that back to yourself, if anything. I love that. And I would second that with as well. And I suppose kind of adding on to that final question of, just unconditional permission to rest on an intuitive movement level is key right now. Unconditional permission to rest is the idea that you do not have to justify, you do not have to have this big reason as to why you're not exercising. If you don't want to, you don't have to. And if you feel like this time is a heightened time of feeling kind of stress and you're feeling maybe a guilt of taking extra rest days and things like that and not being as active as usual and maybe eating more than usual, please remember unconditional permission to rest. Maybe just say it out loud to yourself. Like I have unconditional permission to rest because sometimes we have to kind of say it to kind of make ourselves believe it. Yeah. And have that kind of as a mantra for you this Christmas, this festive period, going into the new year because everyone it makes I think Christmas is like there's so much so many expectations on it and you should be doing x y and z and social media brings up so much comparison but like you said you can do as much or as little as you want and that's okay I hope you're feeling a big Christmas hug, a big festive Mm -hmm. hug from us. We are here. I hope this has been the little boost and support you needed. And perhaps the other thing to do is maybe listen to this once, maybe listen to this twice, three times over this time, just to remember all the things we chatted about today. Laura, where can uh, people find you and just find your work and uh, learn more from you and all the stuff you're doing? Yeah, main place would be Instagram. This is Laura Phelan. I'm sure Tally will tag it. Website's currently onto maintenance. So just go onto Instagram. But yeah, I'll be sharing different things over Christmas. I'll be doing like lots of emails over Christmas as well. So you can join my mailing list and get some support there from me. I'm going to be running a free workshop just before Christmas, depending on when this comes out, that you'll be able to rewatch or watch back. But yeah, come over there. These are the kind of conversations I have all the time. Very much like raw, unfiltered. I just want you to feel better in yourselves about your mental health, your body and who you are. And just knowing that it, it does get better. You know, that's what I'm here to show you. And I just want a you to like hope. really hold on to that. Totally. Yeah. A bit of hope. I always feel like you bring so much hope oh, to this stuff. Um, and I hope, Laura, you have <laughs> a beautiful Christmas, whatever you end up doing. I hope it's what you want it to be. And I hope that, yeah, everyone just take some time for themselves at some point, no matter what. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays. (laughs) All the- Happy resting. Yeah, happy resting. (laughs) Yes, let's end with that. We'll see you in 2023. (laughs) Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.